invitation by the God of the universe to say, would you become my friend? I, I, doesn't it blow your mind? And uh, Tim was saying earlier on, um, you know, Jesus was called a friend, both of his disciples, which we understand, John, Peter, all that lot. But he was also called a friend of sinners and tax collectors. Is anybody a tax collector here? You've got to own up now anyway, are you? But he was called a friend. Now you have to understand, when he was sat around the table with these tax collectors and sinners, let me ask you a question. Were there any murderers around the table? What do you think? You could talk to me because I am really nervous now because you're just looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. Were there murderers around the table? What do you think? Maybe? Any cheats? Any abusers? What kind of people around the table? Because, oh no, they were probably quite nice people who just needed a little bit of rescue so he was happy to sit with them and have some food. That's utter rubbish. He sat with the worst, most broken, messed up, sinful human beings. He sat around the table as the king of love and he engaged with them as the king of love and said, I really want to be your friends. How challenging is that? Isn't it? We're going to have relegations, don't we? Well, quite sinful, but not too sinful to engage with Jesus. (laughs) No, they were murderers and cheats and abusers and all that stuff. Were sat with Jesus for the first time ever, wondering, why does this man want to be a friend to me? Isn't it challenging? I hate religion because it makes us feel like we're a bit of a class of okays, but they're terrible. (laughs) But the king of love seems to have come and sat around the table and eaten food, which of course is a sign of close friendship because you can't play a game around the table. He seems to have eaten with the worst of people. And then that makes me think in my mind, God, how can a frail, sinful human being truly find friendship with you? Is it possible? We don't just talk language tonight, do we? Otherwise we're kind of, oh yeah, very good, very good. No, 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 we've got to... Is it possible to have friendship with the king of love? Every one of us in the room, all included. And and I kind of go round and round it in my head and think, a frail human being. I can have a friendship with Tim. I can get that because we're both pretty messed up. Forgive me. Do do you understand? But, But that outrageous passage seems to invite something that I think I... Oh my goodness, really, really? Tomorrow? Lunchtime? And so I've tried to think of, the, the, for my own journey, but biblically, and in my mind I see three doorways that I want to take you through just quickly that I believe help us come into a place of true friendship with the King of Love. How many of you want that kind of friendship? Now don't be nice with me. Kind of like, yeah, I, would, I would like a little bit of friendship. How many of you want a friendship with the king of love for the rest of your life? Good. That's worth talking about. I'm serious because I can't believe any greater privilege, can you? I mean, religion stinks because it separates people by laws. Love wins because it says, will you come even further with me than you've ever been? 
So I want to suggest there are three doorways that might help you if you could go. <laughs> My battery's gone, I'm sorry. So if, if you could come with me through these three doors, I hope they may just help you very briefly if I refer to them, that I believe lead to that heartbeat of friendship he wants us to have. Here's the first one. The first doorway is... You have to receive the complete reconciliation that's been won for you. You have to receive the complete reconciliation that's been won for you and me. There's the first door. So here we are, frail, human being, messed up, sinful, don't tell some people what happens sometimes. And the Lord comes along and says, actually, I, through my blood, have accomplished a lasting reconciliation for you with me that means there's no further hostility left. That's good news, isn't it? Right? No host- Reconciliation is a fabulous biblical word. We got that. Jenny's gone. Where did she go? Oh, she's there. Jenny, could you put up 2 Corinthians 5? <laughs> she was, I couldn't see her. And I thought, oh, she's gone out for a coffee. All right. 2 Corinthians 5 says this. Real quick, Jenny, real quick. Are you Look at this. All right, look at it. This is fabulous stuff. Guys, get excited about reconciliation. It's the good news of the gospel. You're allowed as a sinful human being to be utterly restored to a friendship with Almighty God. I didn't mean to get excited, but you're allowed to in church, aren't you? Okay? All this, say all this, is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Yippee! That's reasonably exciting. Because it means all hostility, all enemyshipness, that was a rubbish word, but you know what I mean, is completely over and you are invited to an absolute harmony with Almighty God for the rest of your days as long as you trust in the power of the cross. The message of reconciliation is familial language. It's kind of like, come, I want to be restored in a friendship with you and I've given my son and his blood so that you can be reconciled for the rest of your days. It's really good news, isn't it? Now here's an even more fabulous verse because you're all Bible students. Jenny... Could you do me James 2? Go. Look at this. Read this. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was what? Credited to him. As what? And then what did it say? Read it. And he was called. Oh my goodness. What sort of doorway is this that you're allowed to go over where it says Abraham, he didn't pull it all together. He didn't just get it all together. In fact, he never got it all together. He was a liar, forgive me. But he was a liar, wasn't he? And the Bible says he just believed. I'm choosing to believe what you say, God. And God went, your whole account is cleaned and written into your relational account is you're now righteous from evermore. And then it says, and Abraham was God's friend. And he wasn't even in the new covenant. He's before the cross. I didn't mean to get excited tonight. I'm going to quieten down soon. Do you understand, though? What an amazing thing. He believed God. He said, I believe it. And God says, great, you're my friend now. Account cleared. 
relationship cleared. Instead of all the rubbish, I now declare you're righteous. If we ever forget the gift of righteousness, we never dare go through the threshold to the ultimate promise why God gave his son. Do you understand that? If we don't, if we don't go over the threshold and say, yeah, it's mine, I believe him. I could have shame cover me for the rest of my days, but I'm choosing to believe. God, you've cleared my account. In fact, Colossians says somewhere, one or two, Tim will tell you later, Colossians says this, it says, it says so that you are without blemish and free from accusation. How about living without blemish before God and free from accusation? That's all right, isn't it? You ever feel a bit blemished? A bit kind of like, ooh... There's quite a lot of sin that's hung around me and I feel like there's a few blemishes. And so you keep a distance from the ultimate goal, which is friendship with God himself. Abraham just said, I believe it. And from now on, I'm going to declare, you know what I received? The gift of righteousness. My account is cleared. There's no further accusation. I can kind of leap around over the threshold and say, I'm coming, God, to this incredible invitation. It's all right, isn't it? So there's the first one. That took a long time. Fear not. The last two are shorter. We're over the threshold. You receive the complete gift of reconciliation. Wouldn't it be fun to have all the shame go off God's people so they run over that threshold without constantly feeling as a blemish I can never quite get over? Wouldn't it? Now we're going to go to John 15. Jenny, come back. John 15. We're going to go back to what we read. Here's the second door. Here's the second doorway into that friendship. The first was to receive the gift of complete reconciliation. And then you come to the next doorway in my mind. It's just my way of thinking about it, which says this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Very good. Tick that one off. That is stunning, guys, isn't it? Here's, what's your name, please? Kieran. So here, forgive me, Kieran. Here's Kieran. He's a good guy. He's probably 21, and I suspect he's studying structural engineering. That wasn't a word of knowledge. I have no idea. But here's Kieran. And so, and so the king of love says to Kieran, come on, think about it. As my father has loved me, Kieran, which is pretty good love, isn't it? If you look at the scriptures. Kieran, by the way, I've got exactly the same love for you. Same measure, same amount, same totalness. I have the same love for you, Kieran. Abraham believed God. Abraham believed it. Jumped over a threshold. Kieran, sorry, I didn't mean to keep saying your name. Kieran, same love. Isn't, wait, isn't that a bit stunning? Same love the king of love has for you as the father has for him. He's saying, listen, guys, I've loved you. Now, will you remain in my love? Now, oh, that's more challenging, isn't it? How many of you get ten rejection hits a day and think, I don't know whether I can do this? And what Jesus, the King of Love, is saying, actually the second doorway towards friendship is you have to learn to remain, say remain, abide, all those words, you know, stay, stay in there. What does it mean? It means, and I'm still learning it, guys, I'm trying to learn to live in a continuous awareness of the profoundness of the smile of Jesus Christ on my life. Because reconciliation is total acceptance. Isn't this good stuff? I don't mean my preaching. I mean the word of God, okay? In case you're wondering. Do you understand? So, so the second threshold is, will you learn to remain and live loved? 
How many of you like to live loved rather than live looking for love? The remain is a really big deal. It's a, it's a journey of my lifetime to remain loved. Why? Because things come against me. I feel I've failed. I get some blemishes. Some other people put their blemishes on me. And a few accusations come along and I think, oh, rubbish. I've lost living in love. And Jesus is saying, will you learn to abide in my love? How many of you know it's hard to feel you could have a friendship with Almighty God if you don't realize how profoundly he thinks about you with affection. Tim said earlier on about enjoying him. You can't enjoy God and his friendship if you've got blemished feelings. And the Bible says it's all over. I've cleared the record. I've declared you righteous. Now come closer. Over the second doorway. What was it? I've forgotten what I said. Well, I'll say it now. Remain loved. <laughs> No shame. Remain in his love. Look at it. Now remain in my love. This is tricky, this verse, by the way. Can I just read on a little bit further? Look at it. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in my love, his love. It looks, sounds like conditional love. Let me suggest this to you. The more I learn to live loved, the more easy it is to follow his commands because my heart has been touched by love and the ultimate command is simply love one another. So it's not like God's saying, if you don't do my commands, I ain't going to love you. It's not saying that. It's saying, if you stay in my love, you'll, you'll find it easy to walk in my commands because love is what we were made for, not service. So there's the second threshold. How are we doing? Kieran, are we doing okay? Good. All right. We receive the gift of reconciliation. We learn to live love. I can tell you right now whether I'm living loved or not. How? I just check in with him. I don't care what you're thinking right now. I check in with him. Am I under his smile? Or is that accusation coming again? Here's the third threshold. I've forgotten what it was. No, I got it. Verse 13. Let's read it out together out loud, can you? Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for ones, hmm, so we've got a third doorway towards friendship. Greatest sign of love and friendship is you lay down your life for your friend. So what are you saying? I've got a, this is difficult to express and you can chuck stones, whatever else, but I've got a feeling that the third doorway to true friendship is for me to quit on trying to run my life and invite him to be absolutely the Lord of my life. That went down well, didn't it? You like the love bit, but the Lord bit. See, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. Now, let me just turn this way around. So, what are we talking about? Jesus being my friend or... Me being his friend. Well, both, isn't it? And I want to suggest to you the ultimate doorway to true friendship is for me to completely surrender to him everything so that he can be fully in me and me in him. I, I know Tim uh, began, I think, this series was early on, talked about the lordship of Christ. And here's the deal, obviously, isn't it? 
God gave his son, he who did not spare his own son, Romans 8 somewhere, but gave him up for us all. He began the deal by giving his son up for me even when I was his enemy. How many of you think it's pretty good love if somebody dies for me when I'm their enemy? It's a, it's a, it's a fairly beautiful love, isn't it? If God comes up while you were still enemies, I gave my son for you. I, 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 I'm not sure I could do that. I'm going to give my life up for my enemy. Well, well that's what, exactly what God did. And then his invitation is, I have been crucified with Christ. I, Paul, no longer lives. I'm dead. Why? I can't remember the rest of the verse. <laughs> I no longer live, but Christ lives in me and the life I live in the body I live by faith what am I saying the third door I want to trust to suggest to you is I actually the more I quit living for myself the nearer I get to a true friendship with God let, let me just am I dazzling am I losing am I you there okay alright I'm needing a reassurance so lordship without friendship brings a distance in my relationship with him and a fear of punishment. Can you understand that? I think I lived for a lot of my Christian life with just the sense of lordship, but no enjoyment of friendship. So there was a distance and a kind of a fear. I also want to suggest friendship without lordship with Jesus brings a wrong familiarity that is out of order. I'm not talking about a buddy-buddy, are we? We're not talking about that with Jesus Christ. We're talking about a profound invitation to live very close to him for the rest of our days. And I want to suggest, the more I surrender to everything I can to him, the closer I get to the whole goal, which was I could have this profound friendship with him. But I do believe it means I have to surrender because... um, Judas, was he Jesus' friend? We'll have a vote. Was Judas Jesus' friend? Was he? What do you think? Who says yes? This is not democracy, by the way. I'm just interested in your view. Well, he was Jesus' friend because all the disciples were Jesus' friend. And actually, when Judas came in to betray Jesus... Do you know what Jesus said to him in the garden? Do you remember it? Judas, who Jesus has broken bread with. And Jesus says, friend, do what you have to do. But let me ask you a question. Who was the closest friend, Judas or John? John. That's right, that's the answer. Why? Because John had surrendered all to put his head as being quoted now on Jesus' breast in this profound closeness, intimate friendship. John had surrendered all and said, I just want to be yours. And Judas said, I just want my portion or whatever it was going on in him. I want it for me. And Jesus says, friend, but boy, I wouldn't like to be that friend, would you? Did you understand? So there are different levels of friendship on this third doorway, this threshold of complete surrender. Oh my goodness, Jenny, see, I can't see her. That's what's unnerving me. Just like suddenly there's a blank there. Jenny, <laughs> can you do Genesis 20, whatever it was? 
Did they give you Genesis? Look at that. Listen, listen, listen. I, I'm not going to go over t- well, I'm going to go over time a couple of minutes, but stay with me. We're in the fr- third doorway or threshold to friendship, and it's surrendering everything for the sake of this pearl. And Abraham, this shocks me. I think this is one of the most difficult stories personally I can think of where the one child he has, the child of promise, Isaac, his absolute delight, miracle son. And God says, Abraham, I want you to come and sacrifice your son to me. How many of you get stunned by those stories, don't don't you? I, I, I just think, God, I don't know. And you know, can I tell you what it says? The next morning he got up. And took Abraham. The next morning. I think I'd have delayed a few weeks. Wouldn't you check it out? Share it with a few friends. Weigh it up. Mull it up. Journal it. You know, do whatever I could to get out of actually having to do it. And the next morning, (laughs) Abraham got up and took Isaac. It's a long story. But please read it because I find it mind-blowing. That this man who believed God would say, Okay, God, the next morning, my son... I will, up the mountain. Was he a cold, hard father? No. He was a deeply warm, affectionate father. But somehow he had something with God that had to follow what God wanted. And so, you know, he takes him up, puts him on the, on the altar and binds him up. And then raises the dagger. And I know it's hard to understand it. You have to go to the heart of the story. And God says, do not lay a hand on the boy. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me why am I saying that I I think in my journey if I can learn to not withhold anything from Jesus I get close to the profoundest friendship he really wanted did you understand I'm not talking about awful acts of I'm just saying this yielded sense of Jesus I no longer live you live in me because I want to be like the branch into the vine Receive the gift of reconciliation. (laughs) Come on. Go over the threshold. Learn to live profoundly loved with the very smile of Jesus Christ radiating in your heart, nourishing every core of your being. Surrender everything you can. Don't withhold so he can't have all of you for love. And then he says this, back to John 15 and then I'm done. John 15. Can I sign that? Is it good? Is it? Is it? It's not a lottery, is it? No, sorry. Just checking out the vicar here. Come. Oh, is it the list of jobs? Oh, I'm really nervous. Okay, pass it on to Tim. It's, he's good. I just don't want to clear up the donkey poo or whatever it is. That's the ultimate job. Jenny, it, it, can, it, can you go back here? Can you stay with me? Are you okay? Just, this is a really big deal. You are my friends. Can we roll on a bit, Jenny? Now, this is it. Please just read this. This is what I'm talking is the prize of those three doorways. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learned from my father I've made known to you. Now, just stay with me briefly, could you? Look at this hand here. This is the hand of servanthood. Tell me what it is about a servanthood that Jesus is wanting us to understand. Somebody express it. Just be bold. 
What, what, what is it about a servant that he's highlighting? Do what you're told. Thank you, Victoria. It was really simple. Do what you're told. Do what you're told, but what? You're not allowed to know why. I want those five horses out the front in the morning. Do it. Where are they going? None of your business. Get the five. Well, who doesn't have your Just do what I tell you. Well, I know no reason why the five horses are required. You shouldn't have to. You haven't got the right to. You're a servant. Pack this case and these three cases. Well, where are you going? None of your business. Do what you're told. You're a servant. A servant is not included in the family whatsoever. He's simply outside of the family being told what to do for the family. Does that make sense? It's really crucial because some Christians live as servants without realizing the invitation was always to be a friend. So a servant lives in obedience but doesn't know what on earth it's for. And there's a slave mentality that I believe God is breaking off his people in this day to release them to a far better inheritance. than. And please, I believe in servanthood. Do you understand what I'm saying? I believe in servanthood. I really do. But I don't believe it's the ultimate definition of who we are. Because Jesus goes on and says, friends, what is it about friends? Somebody articulate it for me. What's the joy for them? Say, Victoria, they're included. And, and I want to end with this. Uh, like, like I, I'll take it back to Tim and I, because he alluded to it. Um, the joy for me in getting to know Tim is I've been allowed to share who I am and my heart freely without holding back and watching my, how do I rate with him and how does he rate with me and whatever other rubbish goes on. I've been allowed to say, Tim, this is... Oh, this is what I hear. This is my, this, I, I can disclose my heart to him because I feel safe with him and hopefully he does with me. And so a friendship begins that's based on self-disclosure. That's precious, isn't it? Isn't it horrible when you can't feel safe to self-disclose? Friendship is about self-disclosure. This is me and this is you and I really enjoy you. And boy, the, hey, the more we do it, the more I think. And I could tell him that as well, Tim. My real fear is this. Oh, is he going to think down on me because I have a fear? That's a precious thing, as Tim's been saying tonight. But you know what Jesus is saying is, you're my friends because here's Julie. She's a friend of God, by the way. Boy, is this a friend of God. Here's Julian, and, and, and God discloses his precious heart to her and says, ah, I want to tell you about why. I want to tell you my heart. And Julie goes, oh, really? And am I allowed to tell him my heart? Yes, do you tell me what your heart is? Because actually, truly, although I'm God of the universe, I sent my son because my longing always is that I would have a friendship where you would feel safe to self-disclose as well. How many times do we pour out our hearts to others, but actually Jesus would love us to pour out our hearts to him? Well, I can only tell him certain things in case he thinks bad of me. Get over it. He knows everything about you. That's why he gave his blood, was there'd be no sense of blemish or accusation. It's off you. And you can say, Jesus, can I tell you I felt really peed off by that? Excuse me. But I think he copes all right, doesn't he? We don't have to invent a certain language special for him. And then I tell Tim the truth. That's kind of like something wrong there, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus is saying, I actually would like true friendship. And true friendship that I've tried to learn in my life and I'm still learning 
is a growingly intimate conversation with him about everything. And he has a growing intimate conversation where he discloses his heart to you. How do you think it's a, a prize worth dying for? Thank you, Peter. I see that hand. All right, we're three doorways. The gift of reconciliation. You go right over that. The living love is something you practice because it's hard to feel close if you don't feel his smile. The yielding of all so he can have you for himself. What is the prize? He begins to share his heart with you and you with him. And you cannot believe this is legal because he's God, but he's also the king of love who's called for you. Doesn't he want friends rather than oddballs? Doesn't he? Tom, doesn't he want friends? Huh? You're a friend of his, Tom. Oh, God, I just want to tell you, which means I'm not telling you everything, but I'll tell you a little bit because it's what I think you need to hear. That's robbery of the very relationship he wants to have with us. And I'm going to have to finish. I have a sneaky thought that the accuser, who's called the devil, hounds most of us with feelings of shame that never allow us to fully engage with that level of friendship that John 15 promises. So I think it would be cool to keep praying off all shame from our lives, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Just say, that's rubbish. How dare you? I came over the threshold. It's called reconciliation. Don't you hound me, you little... I think I'm done. We could pray a bit, couldn't we? Would that be fun? I've got some golden oldie songs in my mind, but I daren't sing them in case none of you know them. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's really embarrassing. But you know, we had some lovely songs like, Jesus, 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 friend forever. What a friend I have. More than a brother. Make my heart. Do your best if you don't know it. To never lose each other. Jesus. 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 Friend you know that one some do I could hear you warbling it's a great song isn't it why don't we sing that can I just stand up let's just sing it again if you don't know it pretend or just enjoy it alright yeah can we all stand up I'm going to pray I'd like to break some shame and accusation of some folks here if you feel a little bit like you know you know while he's getting it sorry I'm not sorry Um, Revelation 3 it was on Jenny's sheet tonight. How many of you know what Revelation 3 says? You have to pretend, don't you? Behold, I'm at the door, Jesus. Listen, this is really important. It says, I'm at the door. And I'm knocking. And you know what I'm knocking for? I need you to open the door. Well, you want to open the door and give me a whack, don't you? Because you probably want to punish me. No, I actually want to come and... 
eat with you. Mary, you're a friend of God. Boy, you're a friend of God. This woman listens to his heartbeat. And hears his voice. But you know what? He likes to hear her voice just as much as she loved to hear his voice. I'm knocking at the door because I'm never going to invade that deepest part of you that was reserved for communion with me. I'm never going to invade that without your permission. But if you'll say, Jesus, here I am, I I don't want to hold out. I'd love to throw the doors open for you to invade me with your friendship. That's a great prayer, isn't it? That's Revelation 3 something. 20. Did you find it, Tim? Oh, dear. Okay. Well, it's worth risking, isn't it? How does it start, Sarah? Yeah. What a friend I... Does that start like that? Can we sing it and just, as you know it, help me? Come on. What a friend I have... Come on, James. Sir, than a brother. Ah. Yeah, come on. Jesus, 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 your man forever. Is there a second verse? faithful than a mother.
I want to put an invitation to you just for a moment, if I may. Because the love of God's in the place right now. I can feel that. And When it's love's in the room, it just kind of messes you up a bit. And you just think, I don't really want to hold it together. I think I'd like to open the doors up of my heart and invite him to win my heart to depths of friendship that I'm born for. And I know the power of shame because I've wrestled with it all my life. The power of the accuser to say, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to come that close and confidently to Jesus? Because I know that in my life. I have to wonder whether anyone else in the room ever gets plagued by that. That undermining sense that keeps you distant from the lover of your soul. So just close your eyes. I'm going to go for it. Close your eyes and just just be honest with me if you wouldn't mind so I can praise. Anywhere else here gets trouble with that condemning, accusing thought. Would you just wave at me for a minute? Just be honest with Not for me, but because we could do some praying. Thank you. Well, why don't we, why don't we take authority? Tim, come here with me. Because <laughs> two can do a lot more damage than one. You know, sometimes we're a bit quiet, aren't we? I I understand why, but sometimes I think we have to just kind of say, you know what, you little devil, it's time you shut up and left me alone because the king of love has called for me. And the Bible says, without blemish and free from accusation. That sounds fairly confident to me. So if you did put your hand up just now, I'm going to pray... And I'm going to just, I'm just going to break the power of that kind of accusation. And if it's you, you can kind of agree and say, yes, I, I agree. That, that shouldn't be near me when the blood of Jesus, he gave his all for me. He didn't spare his own son. Better than Abraham, he gave up his precious son. So Jesus, we lift your name up here. Lord, we love the power of your name in the room. Lord, we we, we know the enemy trembles at the sound of your name. Come on, put your hand on your heart. What do you want to do? Just say, I'm in this prayer. I'm in this prayer. And so, Jesus, as we lift your name up, we in this room take authority over every accusation that the enemy plagues us with. Every undermining thought, every shame-laden thought, we take authority over those thoughts and strategies and lies and we choose to break them in the room in the name of Jesus. We break off every man and woman here. We break off the accusations and the lies and the shame-laden thoughts. We break them. Now, come on, you can pray or say, I'm in, Lord. Whatever you have to say, be a bit active. I'm in, Lord. I don't want this. Let's have some of the prayer team wander around, just lay hands on some of you here. I can see the Holy Spirit's just like kind of... Yeah. Is there any prayer guys here? Come on. Come on, whoever you are. <laughs> I feel like I'm a bit risky here. Huh? 
just think earlier, um, the Father wants to bless us. His face is turned towards us, and having prayed and agreed with a prayer like that, the Father's smile is very present. And as a mom in the room, I just release the blessing of the mother heart into this room. Because the mother says, all the comfort you need is found in the heart of God. The mother says, all the nurture you need is found in the heart of God. All the treasuring of who you are is found in the heart of God. Lord, we release that. I release it into the room. Because there are hearts receiving from you, Father, that beautiful truth that will not be removed. And just um, as Julie shares, I, I sense that's how God often speaks together using his body, isn't it? I, I sense the Father wanting to speak over some of you. And um, I, I think for some of you here, you've never known what it is to have a father tell you that he's proud of you. You know, you've done a lot in your life and you've struggled and strived and striven to be pleasing and to do your best. And sometimes you've failed and sometimes you've done brilliantly but what you've longed for is just someone to say how a father to say how proud they are of you and your father in heaven looks at you and looks at your heart and he says I'm proud of you you are my child I saw your body your unformed body in your, in your mother's womb fearfully and wonderfully made days marked out for you in my book of life and as, as you learn to yield to him and yield your heart to him, you just experience the Father's embrace, the Father's love. Father, we thank you that we can never earn your love. We thank you we can never strive to earn anything from you. This freely given love lavished upon us. And Hebrews tells us that when we know what it is to be sons and daughters of the King, then we can boldly approach the throne of grace not as outcasts not filled with shame not filled with fear but boldly approaching the throne of grace with head held high not because of anything that we've earned or any right that we've won for ourselves but because of your lavish grace which is poured out from heaven in Christ and so Father for those who wear the mantle of shame tonight in this room for those who feel under a cloud of shame because of your past because of your failures because of some inadequacy that's constantly paraded before your eyes and in your mind the father says I lift shame from you you are not a child of shame you are a child of righteousness cleansed and redeemed by the precious blood of my son never think it's not enough for you it's sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. Don't walk under the cloud of shame. So Jesus, 
in your name and your authority, we break the power of shame in this place. For those who are under the yoke of shame, we break it and loose it in the name of Jesus. Jesus, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And Lord, you don't want to yoke us with shame and brokenness from our past. But you say those are sunsets free, they're free indeed. It's the freedom that Christ has set you free. So Lord, we pray that we would be saturated and soaked in your love. We honour you. We worship you. We thank you for the friendship that you offer to us. Lord, we don't pretend to understand it. Lord, we don't feel worthy. But you call us as sons and daughters. You call us to be your friends. And so we bow the knee before you. And we, we choose to engage with you. We choose to yield to you. We thank you for your friendship, Jesus.